Welcome to Good Faith Reads. I'm your host, Cliff Vaughn of Good Faith Media. Good Faith Reads is a short podcast featuring our book authors. We invite you to browse our books and buy at goodfaithmedia.org bookstore. Today's guest is Paul Wallace, author of 35 Questions Christians Ask Scientists. He's joining us remotely from Decatur, Georgia. Paul, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks so much, Cliff. I want folks to know up front that you hold a Ph.D. in physics from Duke and a Master of Divinity from Emory's Candler School of Theology. So in addition to being a human being like the rest of us, you've also <laughs> done some some formal and sustained thinking and investigation about the topics we're discussing today. Yes. So let's jump right in and talk about existence. In your introduction, you write, existence is rarely acknowledged. It is rarely acknowledged because it is rarely sensed. Then you say, existence is not only generous, but also, by all reports and without exception, beautiful. So talk about existence. Why begin the book talking about that? Well, um, there's a level at which I like to start all my thinking and all my work, which is that um, it's not often mentioned really, but the truth of the matter is that we human beings have been more or less dropped down here on the planet without any explanation. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, we have, yes, we have religious uh, uh, traditions, we have scientific theories, um, but the raw fact of the matter is that we showed up here without asking to be shown, to, to, to show up, and that our existence in the first place is sort of a, a thing that a lot of people, I think, take for granted without really addressing it and really thinking about the fact of our existence in the first place as being completely surprising. And, um, and I say beautiful also, because I do find the world uh, in all aspects of it um, to be a beautiful place. And that seems to be the, the nature of things. And it's all the way through, you know, it's not just a nice sunset. Yeah. But there, there's a beauty uh, at, at, at every level from the cosmic down to the subnuclear level, um, that is just completely, it's uh, saturated. Yeah. I want to have you respond to something else you wrote. You write, quote, most religion and science dialogue suffers from people's overwhelming need on virtually all sides of the discussion to be right. You then say this creates an atmosphere that repels those of us who love knowing things, but who have also made peace without knowing things and with mystery. If this book alleviates this situation even a little, then I will be happy and grateful. Say more about making peace with not knowing things. Yeah, I, I think that relates to what I said a moment ago. Um, this is just a theory of mine. I don't have any way of knowing if it's true or not, but it seems to me that a lot of people um, don't really acknowledge the oddness of our existence, as I just just described it, don't really face up to what I think is the fact that, as I said, we just showed up here without any explanation and we're, we're left to figure it out. Um, that kind of, of um, thinking, I think, I, I, I think in my experience of talking about things like this, I think that scares people to think of it in those terms, um, to think about you know, if you think about evolution, if you think about the big picture, you think about the cosmic history and so forth, it really can be a little bit um, frightening to really acknowledge it. And I think that in the face of that vastness of our unknowing of what we don't know, people tend to clamp down on things that they 
that that make immediate sense. Yeah, and that bring them a sense of security um, in a world that in the universe that is is anything but that. Can you pinpoint any parts in your own journey where you got more comfortable with some uncertainty? Yeah, a couple points. One is when I was very young, um, and I first came into. I first read things like Carl Sagan's contact. My, we went to church every week, but my dad was also a uh, professor at Georgia Tech. And so there was a lot of science books laying around. And uh, once I got sort of a sense of natural history and of astronomy, I, I think that uh, it really opened up. I never thought there wasn't a God. I never like really rejected God as a kid. I, I just realized that God was a lot bigger and more. I don't know, mysterious than than you know, what I was maybe learning in you know at Sunday school, but also there came a point maybe you might call it a midlife crisis. It came a bit early for me in my mid to late thirties, um, where I also went through a, a, a real strong, a really really heavy personal crisis, and I came out of that realizing um, that God was not maybe what I thought God was, that God was not just a larger invisible person, a large invisible person, more or less like you and me, you know, but bigger. Yeah. Um, so those are two points around 10 years old and around 35 to 40 years old is when the two big ones happened for me. Yeah. In the book, you do indeed share 35 questions that Christians ask you as a scientist, mm -hmm. and you provide responses. I want our listeners to hear a few questions. So some of the questions that you get asked, how do you explain the Old Testament story of creation with your scientific methods? Have you furthered your faith through your work as a scientist? Do you think extraterrestrial life is out there? And if so, what is its theological significance? Are our beliefs about God just patterns of neurons firing in our brains and nothing more? What is the multiverse and what does it have to do with God? Do you ever get asked a question and you just say, you know what? I don't know. Yeah, I do. Um, in fact, I had one uh, for the journal uh, about it was a question about the afterlife. Um, and emo all those questions you just mentioned, you know, I don't have a definitive answer, but I have some thoughts about it those questions. And I might have some questions that I might ask in response to those questions. But when it comes to questions of the afterlife, um, I come up blank. I just, I really do. People say, you know, what about, what about that? What about the end of the end of time, end of the universe, you know, stuff like that, you know, stars going to, you know, sun's going to burn out. I have no, that I just, I, I admit in that, in that point that I, I don't even have a good theory yeah. or a good, you know, well, you're you're being honest about how we how we know what we know and right and what we don't know. Yeah, yeah, and and what and and how we know what we do know. I, I saw this funny thing on Twitter, I guess, a couple of years ago. Like, you get a bachelor's degree and you think you know something. You get a master's degree and you think maybe I don't know quite as much. And you get a PhD and you can't believe how flimsy the foundation <laughs> of human knowledge is <laughs> yeah the paradox of learning yeah, yeah, yeah exactly exactly we'll be right back with more good faith reads i'm mitch randall ceo of good faith media and we're proud to announce a better way initiative A better way. People of faith are too often cast as only narrow-minded and fundamentalist. 
this image is false. So let's not surrender the truth. A better way. This initiative from Good Faith Media will focus people of faith on giving voice to justice, to inclusion, to love. These values define the faith communities so many of us know. A Better Way initiative from Good Faith Media. Go to goodfaithmedia.org and click on initiatives. There's more to tell. Welcome back to Good Faith Reads. Today we're joined remotely by Paul Wallace, author of 35 Questions Christians Ask Scientists. I'm Cliff Vaughn of Good Faith Media. Paul, talk to us about con- communicating faith and science. You write, you speak, you teach physics and astronomy. What communication principles help guide you in this work? A couple. One is that communication, well, the bottom line is that communication is really hard. It is you know, you can you can stand in front of a classroom and say the same thing in 10 different ways and several times repeat those things. And you use as simple language as you can, given the context. And, you know, two out of 10 get it. You know, um, it's it's a miracle that it happens at all. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. It is a miracle that it happens at all. But But I do believe in, number one, using simple language. Uh, if you if if you can explain it, I don't mean you know, you know the cat sat on the mat, but I mean you know non technical jargon. I mean non technical words, no jargon. Um, if you can do that, that's good. But I also believe I really do believe in this principle of starting simple. Physics is really funny, and I think theology is actually this kind of this way too. Is that you start off with the you know with Newton's laws, right? Which are they're subtle enough they're tricky enough there's a couple points that are really tricky but you know you can get the, the average intel intelligent college student to to get it you know but then you learn as a sophomore that wasn't quite right you know that there, there's a deeper level to it and then you learn a series it, it gets deconstructed in a sense as you go on but all the time it's still true we still use newton's laws but they're just limited. They're not wrong. They're just only correct within a certain range of, you know, a certain limits. Um, so I believe in education as a as a as a series of of ever re- constantly refining. You know, what we teach the kids in Sunday school is not what you should be learning when you're 35, and that's not what you should be learning maybe even when you're 60. You know, yeah. that it's a you have to. I have to be happy. I have to be happy being approximate when I when I teach, when I communicate, and, and accepting the fact that it's going to be approximate. Yeah. By the way, you can learn more about Paul, his work, terrific videos about faith and science at pwallace.net. An important note to all of our listeners, we at Good Faith Media are always accepting book proposals. Our authors engage with an experienced team of editors, designers, and marketers to produce and sell books on a variety of topics. If you have a book proposal you'd like to run by us, head over to goodfaithmedia.org for more information. Last question, Paul, and I might as mm-hmm. well go big. You go write, big. Go big. You write on page 92, I am deeply suspicious of all language that makes the creator seem like a big, invisible person. So responding with the totality of who you are, who or what is God? Um, You know, uh, the, the more I 
the longer I walk on this earth and the more I live, the, the less I can simply address that question because I, I have less and less certainty of my own. But I do believe that whether or not I can uh, explain God easily, that God is a real thing. And um, I tend towards what Paul Tillich called God being the ground of being, being it's it's sort of a, a view that is not easily uh, dissected, but it's one that um, God is ultimate reality, God as the ground of being, God as not, I mean, God, I will first say that as a Christian, I do believe that God is described more as a person than as a thing. Uh, God is more of a personality than God is an object or or even a, you know, so in that sense, you might think of God as a large human being, but I don't think the personality of God is, I think that our personalities are dim reflections of the personality of God, basically. Um, but I, I don't really have, I actually don't have an answer for you that um, goes beyond, you know, Tillich's ground of being or my idea of, of, of ultimate reality. And also thinking of all, thinking of it not as, not as a principle or as a set of laws so much as I think of God as a, as a personality. Yeah. I love the language you use to, to communicate about God and the Tillich quote, certainly. Um, so it's a wonderful book. Our guest today on Good Faith Reads has been Paul Wallace, author of 35 Questions Christians Ask Scientists. It's available along with lots of other books at goodfaithmedia.org. Paul, I really love the conversation in the book. Thanks a lot, Cliff. I appreciate your time.